What's going on guys? My name is Sean Anderson and I'm on the creative team here at Eastside Church. I just want to say thank you so much for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to share your story, please email us at info at eastsidechurch.tv and if you'd like to give at Eastside Church, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co and click on the giving tab. Now, please prepare your hearts for this week's message. If you got if you got your Bibles open to Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19. Title of this message this morning is Freedom in the House. And how to get that? Freedom in this house and freedom in your house. You know, we want to make sure that that's what we're all about and we've got to come to the place where we have this understanding of the pathway to freedom. And uh, contrary to popular belief, the pathway to freedom comes in submission to authority. <laughs> There's no way to be free unless you submit to authority. Let me give you where I'm going with that. Uh, as we come underneath the blood of Jesus, we submit to the authority that comes with the blood of Jesus, we, we get salvation. You know, one of, the, one of the stories that we read in the Old Testament is where they were commanded to take the blood of the lamb, put it over the doorpost, right? Now, you had a choice. You had an option. You could put it over the doorpost, or you didn't have to put it over the doorpost. If you didn't put it over the doorpost, if you didn't come underneath that authority of that blood over that door, you had to pay the consequences of not doing that. And so there's authority in the blood of Jesus, right? That authority is freedom from sin, that there has been payment made for your sin. There's also authority in the Word of God. The Word of God speaks and a billion galaxies appear. If, if God speaks to the wind, then he, needs to, he has a will and a way for you to go. We have to subject ourselves, we have to submit ourselves to the Word of God. The Word of God has authority. As, uh, as we've taught in the past weeks, as we are stewards with the things God created us for before the foundation of time, that comes by obedience to the Word. The Word of God is what we will be judged by in the beam of judgment, the judgment of the church, of whether how well we submitted our lives to the Word of God. Correct? So the Word of God has authority in our lives, whether we like it or not. We also submit and become, Paul writes it over and over again, that we become, not only are we delivered from sin and not become a slave to sin, we're a slave to Christ. A slave is subject to his master, right? And, and many times Jesus was called master. And so there's this authority that we choose as believers to become a slave to Christ. I'm imprisoned by Christ. Here's, here's one that really identifies our imprisonment. We're possessed people. We, we subject ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit and God says that he wants to 
make us the temple of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place of God. So if we are Christians, we are subjected to being possessed by the Holy Spirit so he can lead and guide us in the ways of the Word, right? So you choose that submission. So many times that in Scripture there are commands to submit yourself to the authorities that are in place and we'll live peaceably. And so that whole idea of submission, including slaves to masters, so that God can show himself strong, which is an interesting thought. We're not going to teach that today, but we're to be under our authority at work and in government, and we should do so well. And so there's a, an idea that freedom, if it's going to come in this house and it's going to come in your house, has to be subjected to authority. You ready for that? You ready to submit to that authority? I've got a couple of scriptures that I just want to talk to you about. Uh, it's going to be uh, the story of Zacchaeus. I wanted to talk about Matthew, you know, how Matthew came to the Lord. I love to talk about the, 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 the whole story of Elijah and kings where, where he's subjecting himself to the authorities of the kingdom of God. You know, where he is in that place where he could see what's going on in the heavenlies and his assistant king. That's my fa one of my favorite passages of scripture. If, you hadn't ever, uh, if you're not familiar with that story, Elijah is seeing the heavenly hosts. And he's seeing God working in a situation that he finds himself in. And his assistant is scared and fearful, and Elijah prays, let him see. Now, here's the powerful part of that passage of Scripture is that what was going on in the Spirit that was unseen to that gentleman was going on the whole time he couldn't see it. All Elijah said was, open his eyes so he can see what I see. And that is not the abnorm, that is the norm. There are things going on in the heavenly realms that we can't see that we need to be aware of, and we need to ask the Lord to begin to show us those things as we go through life. Lord, show me what you see, how you see these things, and let me submit to that. And so Elijah did, and, 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 and of course they got victory. Do you know that more times than any other name in Scripture that God is called the Lord of hosts? The name of God, more than any other name, is the Lord of hosts. He created all things. Everything is subjected to him. He is the supreme authority. And so freedom comes in this house and in your house subjected to authority. So let's read Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 27. Uh, actually, I don't know that we'll go through 20. Yeah, we'll probably go through 27. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. So he was coming probably from Capernaum. Jericho was the area located in the north area of the Dead Sea. You come by the Dead Sea and get to the south area and take a, uh, a westward turn, and you'll go to Jerusalem. So Jesus is coming from Capernaum, which is north uh, of the Dead Sea and north of the Sea of Galilee. He's coming from that area. He has just healed blind Barnabas. He's just done this big miracle. And he is coming through the area of Jericho. And behold, there was a man, and his name was Zacchaeus. And he was the chief tax collector. That just means that he was, a, in that particular day, that he was very crooked. And in his crookedness, he was rich. 
and he sought to see who Jesus was. Now that term in the Greek, when it says that he sought to see who Jesus was, it doesn't mean that he just wanted to lay eyes on him. He wanted, he had heard the reputation. He had even heard about what he had just done with blind Barnabas as he was coming to I won't even. I won't even think of what I was thinking. You know. So anyhow, he just he's heard about Barnabas and he's heard about everything that just happened, and he wants to see the nature and the character of this guy. He wants to discover that actually word means that he wants to discover the innermost parts of what this guy's made of. He wants to see if what he's hearing about this guy is really true. That's what that word. We do a poor job in English of describing that, but that's what it said. A man, Zacchaeus, who had this social status, wanted to see who Jesus was. But he couldn't see because he was short of stature. And so he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. We sing, it's hard to even read this without singing the song. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, quickly, hurry, and come down, for today I'm going to stay at your house. So Zacchaeus made haste, and he came down and received Jesus joyfully. Everybody say joyfully. <laughs> but when they saw it, they all complained, the Pharisees, the religious people, he is going to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man, has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now, to understand this story, what you've got to really understand is, is there is there's turmoil that's going on. There are a group of religious people. The church is actually coming at Zacchaeus and Jesus in this particular moment, talking about, you know, their cultural spiritual condition, and they're making judgment on Zacchaeus. Now, in a place of worship. The difference between uh, freedom and religion is the idea of judgment. I hear oftentimes, you know, I don't want to go to church because they, they're going to just judge me. And we don't want to be a church that judges, but we also don't want to be a church that settles with captivity either. Judgment says you're condemned. And we know Scripture tells us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no, there's no condemning. But we also don't want to see somebody in prison by not subjecting themselves to the blood of Jesus, to the word of God, and to submit themselves to the Holy Spirit and just be okay with it. It's not because we're judging them. It's because we want to see them set free. We actually want to see the process that God has for each individual come to pass in front of our very eyes. And so we come alongside of people and walk them through the process of agreeing with God, 
of subjecting themselves to the blood of Jesus first so that they're saved, so that they get the word of God into them, so they begin to change the way they think and order their steps by the Holy Spirit in obedience to the word of God. Right? That's freedom. And so you, what you see with Zacchaeus is this. He is actually quoting the law that was quoted uh, to us by Jesus. He is the word. In Exodus and in Leviticus. In Leviticus, the command is if you take something from somebody, if you take a goat, if you take a bull, you got to do five times. But if you take a goat or some other thing, you are to repay that individual four times. And so what, what Zacchaeus is saying in this passage of Scripture is, I have seen the Lord. I have, I have declared that He is mine and I am His. And to, to show you that I'm subjected to Him, I'm going to subject myself to the Word of God. And so he carries out that word. And Jesus' proclamation at that moment is, this man has been saved. Salvation has come to this house. Why? Because he subjected himself to Jesus, the blood, and the word of God. And he was led by the Spirit of God to do what the word of God said do. Now, it's interesting to me in this story of Zacchaeus that Jesus just kind of continues on. It's, it's just, it just keeps moving on, and it's all written in red, and it starts in verse 11. And Jesus begins to continue to teach in parables, and he teaches his parable right behind the story of Zacchaeus. Let's read it. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought, the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. So if you don't want to be in the will of God, and if you don't want to be in the kingdom of God, make sure that you just continue to push back and stay captive because that's what these guys are saying. I'm not going to subject myself to the reign of this man over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that it might that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your manor has earned ten manas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your manor uh, mana has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept, but, but um, I put it away and I stored it in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you do not deposit and reap what you do not sow. He's coming back. Well, why is that put in there by Jesus? Well, he gave these things. They earned it, and he's taking it back. And 
he's calling him an steer, but he's also doing it in third person. So you see all that in here as well. And he said to him, out of your mouth, I will judge you. By what you say, I'm going to judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a store man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? If you knew that about me, why didn't you respond in that way? And he said to those who stood by, Take the miner from him and give it to him who has ten miners. But they said to him, Master, he has ten miners. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even that what, what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who do not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. <laughs> now, do you, do you see this whole idea of freedom coming underneath subjection or submission? Now, here's the truth. Here's what we think. We think freedom, our definition, our cultural definition, and the way we think is freedom means no strings attached. Freedom is vacation and nobody telling me what to do. This is our version of freedom. And actually, in the kingdom, which is kind of contrary to worldly culture, he says, my ways aren't your ways, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. The kingdom doesn't work like the world. It always kind of works kind of backwards. He says, the only way, the only way that we can actually be successful in our walking in freedom is to subject ourselves to the way and the will of God. We are saying, I'm going to put myself under the reign of Jesus. And he says, if you're not willing to do that, even if you know the things about him that you do, that you fear him, but you're not willing to subject yourself, then he calls that person an enemy. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? with our version of what we see freedom being. How does freedom come with Jesus? Well, it comes by grace. We talked about this in the songs that we sang, and Brandon kind of hit on this with Ephesians. And that is this. When we see people that we know are in captivity as a church, we can't judge them, but we can't leave each other captive either. We're all held captive by certain things. We have trouble going on in the baptismal. I just saw Philip walk by. That was not a ghost. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on back through, Philip. <laughs> only at east side only only <clears throat> can't judge them can't leave them the reason being is is they're held captive by their own way of thinking that that the only way that they can be free is to subject themselves first to the blood of jesus there are a lot of people out there that really don't realize what it means to subject themselves to the what that actually does in a moment we're going to take communion just to rededicate the idea what the blood of Jesus did for us 
The blood of Jesus sets the captive free. The blood of Jesus forgives all your failures. Doesn't hold you to a place of accountability any longer. You subject yourself to that and your record is wiped clean, never to be remembered again. And there are people who really haven't subjected themselves to the blood of Jesus yet. And the way to that is not judgment. The way to that is love. And love says, I love you too much to leave you there. If you ever have a kid that's gone wayward, you're not going to tolerate waywardness. You're going to create an atmosphere, hopefully as a parent, create an atmosphere that where they can be successful and then hold them somewhat to that particular standard. And the Lord kind of does that as well, but he woos, he, he loves, he goes and gets. He, he's trying to get people to get in the process, and as they get in the process, they're not going to be healed altogether. We're, we're none of us healed altogether. We're all in process, and we're all gathered together in a church environment so that we can walk with each other through the process, right? And so you honor each other and you love each other through that process so that you can be transformed into the image of God as you begin to think like the Word. And so what freedom does, it says, listen, that's not like the Word. That's not what God says about you. That's not who God says you are, and I'm not going to agree with you when you say that's who you are. I had somebody in my office uh, in, the, in the last few weeks that, that just ha ha has a, ha had a identity based on their past a little bit. And they didn't really think about it much. They just said it like four times in, in, in a paragraph, you know, in a, in a sentence. You know, they just called themselves something that God didn't see them as. And freedom in a congregation, in a house, whether it's this house or your house, says that's not what God says about you. I'm not in agreement with what you're saying about yourself. You might have done those things, but that's underneath the blood of Jesus. That's underneath the blood of Jesus, and we're going to walk you through where you actually believe about yourself what he says about you. And that's setting people free. That's, that is getting to a place where we're not tolerating captivity, but we're not judging people. We're loving them through the process. As we subject ourselves as a people of God to the ways of God and to the word of God. So freedom doesn't condemn. Captivity comes when we refuse to subject ourselves to authority. So as we take communion, I'm going to go ahead and ask the ushers to come, and we're going to pass it out. Christine, if you could come play, that would be absolutely amazing. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man.
Joshua had an incredible encounter with God where There was a proclamation in his life that said, as for me and my house, say this with me, as for me and my house, we will, we'll serve the Lord. <laughs> that sounds like submission, doesn't it? It sounds like to a, a submission of a way of doing. Let me just encourage you, if you're not reading the Bible very much, it's hard to submit to it if you don't know it. I just, if you don't read it, you difficult to align yourself with it so I encourage you to read it but most of all if you've never committed your life to Christ if you've never subjected yourself to the work of the blood of Jesus I encourage you to do that today you just say and maybe re-say Lord I realize who I am underneath the blood that that thousands and thousands and thousands of failures in my life have been washed away Let's just say that. Lord, I realize that that is true. Say that to the Lord. Lord, I realize that's true. I realize that's true. Thank you, God, for your blood. And I say this all the time, but I'm going to get it in your head. <laughs> it's going to happen. When Jesus died, he, he, he was brutally beaten and punished. So oftentimes when we take communion, we don't think about the love necessarily. We think about the brutality of the event, which it was very brutal. When I when I read uh, when I read uh, uh, or, or saw the the movie uh, Passion, you know, it's it's hard to watch. It's very hard to watch because of the brutality. But but it says that about our Lord that he counted that joy isn't that interesting he sweat blood before he went but once he was in the process he said I, I count this joy and it's the joy of the Lord is our strength he said this is just joy for me why because of freedom he came to set the captives free and what you have to do is believe him in everything. You subject yourself. You submit to the authority of the Lord of hosts by not being rebellious and not pushing away, by making sure that you maintain sober judgment of, of how you're living and how you're walking, whether you're reflecting Jesus as you go through your daily operations, wherever you might be. And he says to us, you and me, that when you do this communion thing, remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Remember what I did for you, that there is no sin that it will ever be held against you. He'll never remember them. They're gone. Past, present, future, they're gone. As long as you've subjected yourself to the blood. And if you've done that, he says, remember. 
See yourself forgiven. See yourself free. Don't be condemning. Don't be insecure because of your mistakes in the past. Don't order your future based on what you've done. Order your future based on what he can do in you. And he says, remember, remember what I did. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Then he says, <laughs> remember what I'm going to do. Remember this. You're a son. You're a daughter. You were created by God first. And then he created the world so that he could drop us in it. But you were on his mind before he created He didn't create man as an afterthought. He had you and me in his forefront of his mind, and then he created an environment that he could place us in so that we could have dominion over it. And he says about you and me <laughs> that I want to empower you for victory, for, for hope to be the hope and the light and the peace of the world they would recognize out of your relationship with me that there's no better way than subjecting themselves to the Lord of hosts. Every time you take the bread and you drink the cup, do it remembering everything that I brought about. And when you go to Jerusalem and when you're in 2018, and you're gathered together or you're in your shower or you're at your house, I'm going to send the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to fill you with me. So that you can be successful and victorious. You can't do it in your own strength. Nobody could. But because of the blood, because of the word, and because of the spirit, I can empower you to be successful. When you take communion, you do it remembering that. So, Father, in obedience to your word, we break the bread. And we know that you said, this is my body which was broken for you so that you could be healed. I'm standing in your place of brokenness. <laughs> being broken so you don't have to be. <laughs> so let's take the bread. And then he took the cup and said, this is the blood. This is the new covenant. This is the deal. This seals the deal right here. One drop. It's all we need. Sacrifice for all the sins of the world. Matter of fact, Romans says it this way. All creation, all the stars in the heavens, all the universes, everything that was ever created cries out for the revealing of the sons of God. Jesus says that's you and me. We 
we're to have dominion. We're to bring this place back in order. How? By subjecting ourselves to the blood, to the word, by the spirit. He says, as you take this cup, this wine, do so remembering what I said in motion. Let's take the cup. Thank you. Why don't we stand together?